Hello, this is Pastor Rob of Bethel Church in Tempers Plains, where our mission is connecting people to God. Welcome to our podcast today. We have a very special guest with us today, and I believe you'll be blessed by this message. Isaiah tells us the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. Please listen and receive this anointed message and allow the Holy Spirit to break any yoke or burden that may be hindering you today. God bless. Have a great day. <laughs> we have a great guest speaker this morning. I've got the, the opportunity to get to know the Tims for uh, just a couple, few weeks here. We, we broke bread together. They've been coming to our Connect group and uh, found out that Don is an evangelist, and he's been doing that for several years now. So I thought, wow, God, God brought him here, and I believe he's supposed to share a message with us. So I'm going to ask him to come up this morning. And I appreciate him so much being willing to, you know, this is kind of spur of the moment, but he said, yes, I'll do it. Amen. Praise Amen. God. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Pastor. You know, it's amazing to come into a place where people are willing to worship God. Yesterday was football season. There were some people celebrating their teams winning, but there were the ones that were there who were sad because their teams were losing. It's the same way in church when we come to church to praise God. When you've got the victory, you're willing to praise and worship God. But just get one bad report from the enemy, and you can't lift your hands. You can't praise God. But I'm here to tell you today, even when the world's telling you to give up, even the world's thinking you're not what you think you are, don't listen to what they say. Don't listen to what they think. Worry about what he thinks and what he says and give him glory. If you will, turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 19, verse 29. Luke chapter 19, verse 29. When everyone's there, just say amen. As they came to the town of Bethany in Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead, going to the village over there, he told them, as you enter, you will see a coat tied there that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found a coat, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, why are you untying our coat? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought the coat for Jesus to and to Jesus and threw the garments over it for him to ride on. Then the crowd spread their garments along the road ahead of Jesus. As they reached the place where the road started down from the Mount of Olives, all the followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Bless the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, Rebuke your father for saying things like that. And he replied, If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Our dear Lord and Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, Lord, to share your word with this congregation. But more than anything, Lord, I thank you for the times that we're allowed to stand upon the mountains in victory. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the times we're in the valleys when we feel defeated. But God, you're the same God on the mountain, and you're the same God in the valley. If you blessed us on the mountain, Lord, you'll bless us in the valley. And Lord, through your word, Lord, I pray that you will show, Lord, your glory today. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. And we ask for all this in Jesus' name. 
Everyone says amen. I've entitled this message to CPR, a praise and worship. When we look at the title CPR, it is an act or process of resuscitating someone or something. It is an act or an instance of reviving someone from apparent death or unconsciousness. Now, it's a shame to say that the church has evolved into an institution of order and being a place of content. I say this due to the fact that my job has taken me to many parts of the United States. And over the last several years doing this course, it has allowed me to experience and examine the phase that our church has now entered. As a youth growing up in the church of God, I had the opportunities to experience the Holy Ghost tent revivals. The sermons I listened to weren't about the more money you gave to the church, the more God was going to bless you. You know, see, these sermons were preached about hell, fire, and brimstone to the point of men and women's heart being gripped with fear of going to hell. Preachers were not worried about offending people by the sermons they preached. You see, those sermons were not designed to offend you, but to see you delivered. But over the course of the church evolving into the modern times, it has become more and more prevalent that pastors are afraid to preach salvation messages to the church. Pastors today's messages have become betraying more towards forgiveness and salvation. Rarely during a sermon or the subject of Satan or the devil ever been mentioned in them. And during this evolution of the church, pastors have become more and more sensitive to man than being obedient to God. And now as we read this text, the Pharisees are demanding that Jesus should stop his disciples and the children of Israel from worshiping him. And Jesus tells the Pharisees, if the people won't worship me, then the rocks will. You see, I've been in churches where people were even too afraid to lift their hands to give God praise and worship. And I'm looking around in these churches and I'm thinking, there's more life in the graveyards behind the church than there is in the sanctuary of the church. When we look at the word praise, the definition is it's an expression of respect, an attitude as an act of worship to give God praise and glory. I look in the book of Exodus in chapter 12. God gave Moses this instruction. He said, take a lamb without blemish and kill it. And he said, take the blood of that lamb and begin to apply it over the door and on the sides of the doorpost. And what this was was the first form of praise and worship. What he was doing, he says, I'm going to apply the blood over my home, over my family, over our lives, over our jobs. You see, that's what God is doing when you're praising and worshiping. He's applying the blood over your lives. But 1,300 years later, God gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus said this, he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And upon this rock called Mount Calvary, Jesus was crucified and hung on a cross for all the world to see the shedding of his blood for you and I. Now, I have a question if you'll raise your hand. How many people have a, a pet dog, either inside or outside, but you have a dog? Isn't it amazing? And it seems like all dogs do this because they can smell better than we can. They can hear better than we can. Sometimes I think they can see better. But isn't it amazing when it gets nighttime and you're getting ready for bed or you're in bed, it seems like at late at night, that's when the dogs go crazy. They start barking. They start running around. They start tearing the shades and the, and the windows up. And you get up and you're thinking, my God, there must be somebody outside. And you get a light and you begin to look outside. And some people take a gun and walk around the house looking to see if there's anything out there. And there's nothing there. And you go inside and you say, you, you crazy dog. If you don't stop your craziness and wake me up, I'm going to get rid of you. But you see, dogs hear things that we can't hear. Because the Bible says that Moses was told by God. said, when the angel of death ascends on Egypt to kill every firstborn that when, because, because Pharaoh refused to let God's people go. And he tells Moses to prepare a meal, eat a buffet, put on your best traveling clothes. But what God told Moses, he said, Moses, you need to understand something. He said, when the angel of death ascends over Egypt, 
It's going to be such willing as the world has never seen. He said, but Moses, you need to understand, when the angel of death passes over the neighborhood of my Israelite people and sees the blood of the lamb, it's going to be so peaceful that night that not even the dogs are going to bark. I'm trying to tell you something. The next time you get a bad report from the devil, my God, just give him praise. The next time your children go through hell and high water, just give him praise. When people say, what are you doing? You say, I'm applying the blood over my family. I'm applying the blood over my life. I'm giving God a praise and glory. And people asked, is the blood still sufficient to meet the needs of our lives? I believe it is. Back in 1972, I was a nine-year-old little boy. It was a spring morning. It was a Saturday morning, matter of fact. I woke up, it was cool, our windows were down on our, in our house. It was drizzling outside. I remember watching... When I woke up, just watching the water drip off the house. You know how kids daydream? But I began to hear something in the distance. It was a rumbling sound. And it began to get closer and closer. And there was a huge field outside my window. And I began to watch the trees that began to get violently whipping back and forth. And next day I realized the cows were running across the field. Then I saw the doghouse roll across the yard. And all of a sudden the curtains went up against the ceiling. It was like a vacuum inside our house. And all of a sudden the curtains dropped. Daddy got up. He come in our bedroom and said, yeah, kids, get up. He said, we got to see what's going on. We walked outside. There was a tornado that came from the southwest going northeast. They went up to our capital, Alabama, and Montgomery killed a lot of people. But as we began to survey the damage, there were trees down everywhere. Our barn was tore apart. As a result, 19 head of cattle were killed. The chicken house was just past that, and they ripped the roof off, and chickens were thrown everywhere. Just between the chicken house and our house was the pump house. It rolled it over. And to show you how powerful this thing was, it unscrewed the pump off the pipe and laid it over. There were trees down in the backyard. There were trees down in the front yard. But the house was still there. And Daddy began to walk around the house and began to look, and he said, I ain't believing this. He walked around the other side, and he said, I'm not believing this. He got a ladder and went up on top of the roof. He says, I'm not believing this. There wasn't a shingle out of place. There wasn't a board missing. And then he says, I don't understand how this could be. But you see, my mother was a little Christian woman. And when the storm was passing and when the storm was hitting our house, my mother began to pray, said, Lord, cover us. Lord, cover us with your blood. I'm telling you, when the angel of death saw the blood, it had to pass. My God, when you get a bad report from the devil, just say, Lord, cover us, and it has to pass. Our God is still an awesome God. Now, my first point, don't be afraid to be criticized for worshiping God. When we look at the word criticize, it means to evaluate something, exerting its merits and find faults or to judge you poorly. And because of criticism that you and I are afraid to experience, we often find ourselves refusing to express ourselves in such a way to give God praise and glory. And because of this, we have allowed fear to shame us to the point in our lives that God cannot and will not receive glory. Criticism. It causes you to second-guess yourself in everyday life's decisions. Criticism. It causes you to have low self-esteem to the point that you will never see your full potential materialized. Criticism. Instead of relying on God, you find yourself to try to find comfort in alcohol and drugs. Criticism. It has you going from one broken relationship to another, never experiencing true love as a husband or wife. But the opposite of criticism is the word encouragement. It means to give courage to. It means to cheer up. It means to motivate. It means to stir up. It means to be inspiring. It means to lift one's spirit up. If the Pharisees had not been so stubborn and hard-hearted, they would have known by those miracles that Jesus did and the scripture that foretold this moment that he was the Son of God. But they refuse to believe. 
in Zechariah 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, the king is coming to thee, unto thee. He is just in heaven's salvation, lonely and riding upon an ass, upon the coat of foal of an ass. If the Pharisees really knew the scriptures and lived by them, they would have known that Jesus was the Son of God. If the Pharisees wanted to, 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 to do what was right, they would have done it. But all they wanted to do was discredit Jesus for his teaching and find some way to kill him. For far too long, the church has conformed to the ways of the world to allow sin to slowly but surely creep back into the church. The church doctors have conformed to a world with a logo that says, once saved, always saved. For far too long, the church has sold itself out with gimmicks of every shape and size and form, just trying to fill the church. In Luke 19, verse 45, Jesus said, or Jesus went into the temple and began to cast them out that sold therein, and they that brought and said unto them, It is written that my house shall be a house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. Which you see, I believe it grieves the Holy Spirit. For someone who is lost and going to hell to come into a house of God to hear a watered-down sermon only to leave church worse off than they were before they first come in. I believe it grieves the Holy Spirit for a believer to fall away from the truth to go back out into a sinful world. In Luke 15, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does he not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulder rejoicing. And when he has come home, he calls together his family and friends, saying to them, rejoice with me. He said, I have found that sheep which is lost. And the Bible says, he said, I say this is what Jesus said. He said, likewise in heaven, he should be rejoicing over one sinner that need repentance more than the others 99 that need no repentance. I'm telling you, my God, when you give your heart and soul to Jesus, there is praise and worship in heaven. When me and my wife first got saved, we went to a church. It was a huge church. It probably seated 800 people. And me and my wife, we came into church and I don't know, I just don't like sitting on the back row. That's just not where I like to be. I like being close to the altar. We came into the church and we sat about the third row back. And the church was beautiful. It was a huge church. And you know, you always notice things about a church that sticks with you. But just this one thing that stuck in the back of my mind, there was a young man sitting on the front row named Paul Booth. And Paul was a young man, younger than I was at the time, and, but it was his heart for God that what really amazed me. Paul was always, when the praise and worship was, was being played and his words were being sung, he was the man who was jumping up, praising God, glorifying God, singing hallelujah to the Lord. And when the pastor would preach a message and hit a, a PowerPoint, my God, Paul was the one who would say, God, hallelujah, Lord, we accept your word. He was the one celebrating God. I became friends with Paul. He was sold out. And I talked to Paul, and he said, all he wanted to do was live for God. And as we had been going to that church, we had been going there about a year, I noticed Paul quit coming to church. Him and his family left. And I asked some of the members of the church, I said, where's Paul at? And they said, haven't you heard? I said, heard what? They said, Paul got invited to another church to lead the praise and worship. I said, oh, that's, that's wonderful. But after a few weeks, Paul came back. I went up to him. I said, Paul, how you doing? I said, man, I miss you. He said, he said I'm doing okay. I said, I heard about the opportunity you got to go lead and praise the worship. I said, man, that was great. He said, you didn't hear the whole story, did you? I said, what? He said, they asked me to leave because I was too radical for God. Isn't it amazing? If you pray too much, if you worship too loud, if you read your Bible too much, how people will say, I don't want to be around you. Isn't it amazing? But I remember one Sunday night, Paul was going to sing us a song. He was up here on the platform, over here where the keyboard was at, and Paul began to sing. And it wasn't the music that got my attention. 
It was the words that he was saying. Because he started with a lyric, Lord, show us your power. Lord, show us your power. And Paul sang that lyric over and over and over. And all of a sudden, as he was singing, the power in the church went out. You couldn't see your hand in front of your face. There was no lights outside. The street lights were out. But even in the darkness, I could hear Paul still singing, Lord, show us your power. Oh, when the lights come back on and Paul was singing, and when Paul got finished singing, the power of God fell, and people ran to the altar and gave their hearts to the Lord. People got some things right. He said, what happened? I'm telling you what happened. God showed his power, and the Holy Ghost began to fall in the church. Oh, I'm trying to tell you right now. Don't worry about what this one thinks and what that one says. Worry about, worry about what he thinks and what he says, because it's always going to matter. Oh, Lord, show out. Lord, show out. My second point. Praise and worship will bring persecution in your life. The word persecution, the definition of it is, is a victim of religious persecution, oppression, ill treatment, abuse, traumatized, punished, torment, and torture. In Acts 16, verse 16, Paul and Silas were going to a place of prayer. And the Bible says that these men would go every day and pray and worship. But the Bible says there was a fortune teller who earned a lot of money for her masters who would follow, follow along behind Paul and Silas and say, these men are servants of the Most High God, and they've come to tell you how to be saved. Now, you know, sometimes the devil won't lie. He'll tell the truth. But what the devil wants to do is intimidate you to stop you from praying and worshiping. And the Bible says this went on day after day after day until Paul got so tired of it. He turned to a woman and spoke to the demon within her and said, come out in the name of Jesus. And the Bible said instantly it left her. I believe something rose up in Paul that day should rise up in all of us. I believe the spirit of David rose up in Paul. Because if you go to the book of Samuel, the Bible said David was just coming to the front line to bring a lunch to his brothers and check on them, see how they're doing during the battle. Because you see, there was a mountain on one side and a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. And the Bible says for the last 40 days and 40 nights that a giant would step out of the ranks and challenge the armies of the living God. He says, send out a man. And let him come out and confront me and fight me. And if I kill him, I will, we will serve you. But if he kills us, me, I will serve you. It's basically what Goliath was saying. And here comes David walking on the scene. And all the men of Israel run away. And David said, what's going on? Wait, what's going on? And they said, have you seen this giant that's come out to defy the armies of the living God? They're all running away. It reminds me of a time when me and my wife was out in California around the sequoia trees. We was going back there, and we were on vacation. We were looking. We pulled up in a parking lot. There was nobody there. But this tree was way back in the woods. We began to walk down this trail. But the day before, a lady was attacked by a mountain lion in that area. And my wife, as we were walking along, she said, Don, what are we going to do? If we see this mountain lion, if we're attacked, I said, sweetheart, you know I love you with all my heart. And I said, since I'm the stronger and the faster of the two, if we get attacked by a mountain lion, I'm going to run for help. <laughs> I said, you try to stay alive till I get back. And she looked at me and she said, you would leave me? I said, look here. I said, there ain't no need of both of us dying. Somebody needs to live to tell what happened. But you got to look at the economics of it. One funeral is cheaper than two. But when David comes on the scene and sees the men running away and asks what's going on, the first thing they start talking about is the rewards the king is going to give the one who confronts this giant. 
David said, what will be done to the man who kills this giant? And they're talking about rewards. And all of a sudden, David, man, he gets bold. He gets mad. He gets courageous. He said, who is this Philistine giant that he would be willing to confront the armies of the living God? If he's looking for a place to fight, he has come to the right place. If he's looking for a man to try to kill, he said, I am the man for the job. David was looking at that devil down there, that giant, and said, look here, devil. Said, my God, you've been trying to mess up my house for my God for I don't know how long. You've been attacking my family. My God, you're lying in my house. You're burying my family. But let me tell you something, baby. Enough is enough. Some of y'all didn't even get bold and say, tell that giant, enough is enough. I'm sick and tired of you messing up my life. My God, it's time for somebody to take a stand and say, enough is enough. And this is what I love about Paul. He stood his ground. He spoke to the demon. And you would have thought that the people would have been celebrating and my God, praising God when this woman was set free. But the Bible says the moment she was set free, her masters realized that her value to them had evaporated. And the Bible says they drug Paul and Silas before the Roman authorities and began to lie on them. Began to say these men are teaching a false doctrine on the Roman customs. The Bible says Paul and Silas were stripped of their clothes. They were beaten. Not only that, but they were taken to the innermost part of the dungeon and thrown into a place where they couldn't see their hands in front of their face. Their hands and feet were locked in stocks. See, there's, there's people in this church you can relate to Paul and Silas. In your past, you've been lied on. Your character has been destroyed. You've been beaten down. Your, 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 your whole part of your life has been beaten down to a point nobody even recognizes you anymore. But the bad part about it is they will place your character and place your life in a place with the worst of the worst. Because where they put Paul and Silas where they were murderers, there were rapists, there were child molesters, there was the worst of the worst. But the Bible says around midnight, even when I couldn't see my hands in front of my face, Somebody started praising. The Bible says as Paul and Silas there begin to praise and worship. This is the reason people are, are watching us and see how we handle our situations because we are a walking testimony of what God wants to do in our lives. Because the Bible says as they were singing and praising, all the other prisoners were listening. I want everybody to remember the worst part of your life that you've ever had to endure. Just close your eyes for just a moment. Just remember where the enemy put you. Don't look around. You can't see your hands in front of your face. You're in a place with the worst of the worst. But out in the darkness, you hear something that lifts your spirit up. Great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. He's a name above all names, and he's worthy of all praise. And my heart will sing how great is our God, great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God, and all will see how great. How great is our God. Yes, yes. And the Bible says that something happened. As the men were sitting there singing, all of a sudden the prison began to shake. Saints, I'm going to tell you what I believe. I believe as Paul and Saul were in a place where they couldn't see their hands in front of their face, but they were giving God praise and glory. 
If you would have looked up into the heavenly throne where the angels and saints are going around the, the throne room of God, and they're saying, holy, holy, holy to the glory of God Almighty. All of a sudden, God is sitting on his throne, and he begins to hear something in a far distant place. And he begins to tell the angels, boys, y'all calm down just for a minute. I hear something. I hear something. And he begins to put his ear against the earth, and he hears old Paul and Silas down. And the God looks at the angels and says, look here. He says, that's my boy Paul and Silas down there. They're in a place, my God, where they can't see their hands in front of their feet, face. My God, they're locked down. They're, they're shut down in a place where the worst of the worst. He said, but listen to him praise. And all of a sudden, God begins to tap his foot against your earth. All the time, all of a sudden, the prison begins to shake. All of a sudden, the doors begin to fly up and open. All of a sudden, the chains and the yokes and the binders begin to fall off. I'm telling y'all, I believe this is the first form of jailhouse rock. I'm trying to tell somebody something right now. God wants to come and set the prisoners free. He said, I came that you might have liberty and might have more abundantly. But isn't it amazed or amazing when people see you get set free what their reaction is going to be? Because the Bible says there was a jailer there and he was asleep. And he was given authority over these prisoners, but if any of them escaped, he would have had given his life and probably his family would have been killed. And the Bible says he woke up he saw all the doors of the cells open and he took his sword out. He said, it's better for me to die than my family to die. And just as he was about to thrust that sword in his body, he heard a voice. He said, don't do it. We're still here. Oh, don't do it. We're still here. Some of y'all just like that. Some of y'all got a bad report from doctor. You had cancer or heart disease, but you, you're still here. That's right. That's Some of y'all dealt in the past with alcohol and drug addiction. Oh, but you, you're still here. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's some people here. Your marriage was on the rocks, and divorce court was your only option. Boy, but you're still here. Some of y'all like that little energizer bunny, you know, you're taking and you throw him in water and you throw hand grenades on him, you try to blow him up, try to destroy him, and he comes out of dust whooping on that old drum and the narrator's in the background, still going. Oh, still going. Oh, I'm trying to tell somebody. My God, some of y'all are thinking, my God, I, I don't know how to celebrate anymore. I'm trying to tell you, it don't matter if nobody wants to celebrate with you. Go out and buy yourself a present. Light your own birthday cake. Sing happy birthday to yourself. Oh, my God. You're still here. My God, some of y'all have been through hell and high water, and you allow the devil to give you some low self-esteem. My God, after, that, after God has brought you through what you've been through, you ought to have some high self-esteem. You ought to look the devil in the face and say, look here, baby, you hit me with your best shot, but dying ain't even on my mind. That's right, that's right. My God, you're still here. Oh, you're still here. Oh, my God, you're still here. Still singing, still shouting, still dancing, still testifying, still glorifying. My God, you're still here. That's right. Just give him praise because you're still here. And isn't it amazing when people see someone get set free, they realize how much captivity they are in. The Bible says this jailer got a light and ran into their prison cell, fell before them and said, what must I do to be saved? And Paul says, believe in the Lord thy God. And not only you, but your entire family shall be set free, shall be saved. The Bible says this jailer brought them into his house. He washed their wounds. He fed them, and they shared the word of the Lord with his family, him and their family, and his entire household was saved. You see, church, this is the reason you need to understand that the lost and the dying out there in the world is watching us. If they can see us go through hell and high water and get victory, my God, sooner or later they're going to come and say, what must I do to get the victory that you have? And that's when we need to share the word of the Lord with them that not only they but their entire family may be set free. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. One Sunday morning, 
Me and my wife went to church. The pastor's name was Toby Morgan. He was preaching about praise and worship. There wasn't a cloud in the sky. There was a bluebird morning. But Toby Morgan was preaching. He said, I'm telling you, church, he said, it's important that we praise and worship God. He said, I'm telling you right now, if God shook the church right now, he said, I would spin around to a war, a hole in the carpet. And just as he said that, the whole building shook. And I'm looking at him. His bottom lip is quivering. And I'm thinking, God, I would love to have some popcorn and a drink right now because I know this is fixing to be a show. But that man began to preach more fervently. And when the altar call was given, my God, the whole church fell and ran to the altar because one man says, it don't matter to me what you think. It doesn't matter to me what you say. All that matters to me is what he thinks and what he says. And with God, what he thinks is all that matters. We've overcome criticism. We've overcome persecution. Church, now let's have revival. My third point is praise and worship will cause revival to break out. When we look at the word revival, it means a renewing of our faith, a state of being revived from death, a period of, of renewed religious interest, an often, often highly emotional evangelistic meetings are a series of meetings in the house of God. In Acts verse, 1 verse 4, being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which she said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be filled with the Holy Ghost not many days from hence. The Bible says that when Jesus ascended to heaven, the disciples went into the upper room, began to pray and fast, waiting for the promise of God. And there was 120 believers in one accord. In Acts chapter 2, the Bible says on the day of Pentecost, seven weeks after Jesus' resurrection, the believers were meeting together in one place, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm in the skies above them. And it filled the house where they were meeting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and set on each of them. And then everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. Godly Jews from many nations were living in Jerusalem at the time. When they heard the sound, they came running to see what it was all about. And when they were, they were bewildered to hear their own languages spoken by the believers about the wonderful things God had done. They were beside themselves. How can this be? What does this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd were mocking him, saying, they're only drunk. Then Peter stepped forward with the other disciples and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you. Fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. Some of you are saying these people are drunk. It's not true. People don't get drunk by 9 o'clock in the morning. No, what you see this morning was predicted centuries ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit upon all my people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And in those days, I will pour out my spirit upon all my servants, men and women alike. They will prophesy, and I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and smoke and clouds of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon turned blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord's arrival. And anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I noticed many mothers and fathers sisters and brothers in this church today. You have lost loved ones who are lost to addictions, to sin. And the devil has convinced you just to give up. But I'm here to tell you, never give up. Because with God, all things are possible. You see, I haven't always been a Christian Yes, my mother raised me in church, but 
When I became a young adult, I started going and doing what I wanted to do out in the world. My grandfather was a moonshiner. My father was a second-generational moonshiner. I became a third-generational moonshiner. I made moonshine for years and years. And when I met my wife, me and her started dating. Finally, we got married. I was making moonshine. I was welding pipe. I was making more money than you can imagine. And I was on this one job this one morning, and I was working with a man named J.C. Morgan. And as me and J.C. was talking, he was a Christian man. He began to witness to me. He said, Don, do you ever think about giving your heart to Jesus? I said, well, J.C., I was raised in church. I said, but I just have a lot of things I need to get taken care of. He said, son, God has a purpose for your life. As I put my shield down, I began welding on that pipe, and all of a sudden, I heard my name spoken, Don. I stopped, I picked my shield up, I said, what do you want, J.C.? He said, he said, son, I didn't say anything to you. I said, I know someone just called my name, I heard it. He said, it wasn't me. He said, do you ever think maybe God's trying to get your attention? I got home that afternoon, my wife, she was there. I looked at my wife, I said, I'm ready for a change in my life. She said, what do you mean? I said, I'm ready to start going to church. And you need to understand, I was born and raised Pentecostal. She was born and raised Catholic. One wants to eat, the other one wants to drink. And when, do you put, when you put them together, you got a full drunk. <laughs> So she told me, she said, listen, would you be willing? She said, would you be willing to go to the church? I go to, I said, yes, I'll be willing. So we go to the Catholic church, and after the church service was over, she said, what'd you think? I said, no, that was too ritual. It's just not for me. So we went to the Methodist church, and she said, what'd you think about it? I said, you know, it's similar to the Catholic. I said, I, I need more. And there was a church close to where my honey camp was. So we went up to the hunting camp, and that Sunday morning went to a church that was called Living Word, a little non-denominational church. And all the while I've been doing this, God has been working on my heart. And when we're sitting in the back row of the church, the praise and worship is playing, and all of a sudden the pastor gets up to preach. And God was pulling on me so hard I couldn't wait no longer. I got up and I began to walk down the aisle and the pastor was there and he looked at me and said, what would you like me to do for you? I said, I want to give my heart to Jesus. He led me through the prayer of salvation, put his arm around me, turned me around to the church. He said, this is what it's all about. My wife was sitting there in the back seat in the back row, pew back here, and she was thinking, oh, now, Don's saved, now we're whole you see, what my wife didn't realize, she didn't have a perfect or a relationship with Jesus. As we're going to church, and my, every time the praise and worship would be going on, I would cry. I was a crier. Tears would flow down my eyes. I, I couldn't believe, God, how can you believe me? How can you, I'm sorry, how can you forgive me for all my sins? But God says in his word that all sins go as far as the east to the west, never to be remembered again. And they were having a weekend revival one weekend at night. Me and my wife went. We're there, and they're, they're preaching, and then they start laying hands on people, on people, and then people start falling out in the spirit. And my wife looked at me. She said, Don, we got to get out of here. <laughs> and I said, I'm thinking, Brian, I God, I just want you to be real to my wife. I want you to be real. And then we hear about a revival in Pensacola, Florida. At Brownsville Assembly of God, it was called a Brownsville Outpouring. A man by the name of Steve Hill came to preach a one-day Father's Day sermon. And when he preached that sermon, this church had been praying for a revival for months. When he preached that sermon, revival broke out for five years. People were coming from all around the world 
to this revival. And me and my wife started hearing the people in the church talk about this revival, how God was healing, how God was delivering, how God was bringing families back together, how God was doing all these wonderful miracles and works. And my wife asked me, she said, would you like to go? I said, yes, I would like to go. So we were told, we were told to get there early. So we got up that morning. My mother was with us. We drove to Pensacola, Florida, which is about an hour away. We get in the parking lot about 10.30 or 11 o'clock that morning. And when I drove into the parking lot, there were hundreds of people standing in line. I said, God, what are you doing? As we get out of the car, we park, we get out of the car, we walk up here, and I started hearing all these people talk about all the wonderful things that are happening in this revival. People are being cured from cancer, heart disease. The addicts are being set free. Marriages are being saved. I'm hearing all these wonderful things. And I'm talking to a man in line, and we're several hundred people in front of us. I'm looking in front of us, and I asked him, I said, we got here about 10, 30, 11 o'clock this morning. I said, what did the people up there at the front door, what time did they get here? He said, about 1 o'clock in the morning. I said, man, that's hunger. That's hunger. And I'm looking behind us, and the people are going, the line's getting longer and longer, and it's going down the side of the highway. And I asked him, I said, what happens if you don't get in the sanctuary? I said, there's hundreds of people here. He said, well, you'll go to the overflow room. I said, no, no, no. I want to go to the throne room is where I want to go. And about 5.30 that afternoon, the doors opened. And people started easing closer and closer, getting into the entrance. And I'm praying. Lord, please. Just let me in, Lord. Just let me in. Can you imagine what it's going to be like on Judgment Day when you say, God, just please let me in. We get to the door. There's a man standing there. He stops us. He's in a suit. And he says, how many? I said, three. He said, come with me. And I'm thinking he's going to take us to the overflow room. He brings us down the center aisle here. And on the side here, they're unfolding chairs. He said, this is where you're going to sit. I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We sat down and they start ushering in young adults. This is the reason it's important for us to take our children to church. They bring in the young adults and they set them on the floor and, and as they're setting them down there, they're falling out in the spirit of laughter before church ever starts. John Kilpatrick, the senior pastor of the church, he comes up here and he sits down in his seat. The choir's coming in. And John Kilpatrick, he's sitting there, he's looking at these children, he's smiling, and he catches me and him just, our eyes meet, and he looks at me, he kind of tilts his head to the side as if to say, ain't God something? I say, yes, Lord, you're something. The choir starts singing. It's the most beautiful praise and worship music I had ever heard. I'm standing here probably the first time in my Christian life I'm truly worshiping. I'm truly praising. Tears are flowing down my eyes, down my face. I look up and the ceiling's gone. It looks like a huge coliseum. And around there are angels encamped around us. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I'm looking around. I'm saying, God, what is this? And I see him. He's high lifting him. I said, Lord, what is this? And he speaks to my heart. He said, as you are entertained by your sports and games, he said, I am entertained by your praise and worship. He said, your praise and worship. He says, that's sweet and savory aroma to me. And then what looked like pure liquid light began to flow from heaven and began to flow out all in the floor and all up the foyer, all up in the upper balcony. And I'm looking down. I said, God, what is this? He said, this is my Holy Spirit that I'm going to pour out upon all my children in the last days. That vision was gone. Steve Hill got up and preached his sermon. He says, I'm about to give the altar call. He looks over here and he tells us, he said, stand up. We stood up. He said, go over against the wall. We went over against the wall. He said, now go to the back of the church. I said, God, I just got to the front. But we do what we're told. 
And then our call was given. And there were thousands of people trying to get to the front of the church. There was no way I could get to the altar. And I'm in the back of the church. I'm praying. I'm praying that God, just, I just want you to be real to my wife. A little Oriental man comes by me, and he's sitting there, and he's praying. He's praying. I'm saying, this, this little man is praying, and God just says, touch him. I lay my hands on him, and down he goes. I say, oh, God, you're real. You're real. A woman with a badge on, she's one of the prayer members. She comes over to my wife. Well, just before that, I'm sorry. I walk up behind my wife after the man fell in the spirit. I put my arms around my wife. And I said, God, I want you to feel it, Lord. And down she goes. I said, Lord, help me. And I began to pick her up. I said, God, I just want to feel it. Down she goes. And I said, Lord, God, help me pick her up. And I can imagine God saying, do you want me to feel her or do you want me to raise her? I wish you'd make up your mind. But then here comes a little woman with a patch on. She's a prayer member. She looks at my wife. She said, I'm going to pray for you. And she looks at me and points at me. She said, you better catch her. I said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> and she puts her hand on her forehead, and I, I'm holding my wife. I said, Lord, just feel her. And boy, down she goes, boom. And the woman looked at me. She said, are you ready? I said, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. Oh, God, I want it so bad. She put her hand on my forehead, and nothing happened. I was so disappointed. She looked at me. She said, just accept what God has for you. And she moved on. I knelt down beside my wife. I'm sitting there praying for her. And a man who's drunk in the spirit stepped and stumbled and stepped on my wife's head. I said, oh, dear Jesus, I picked her up in my arms. My wife opened her eyes. She said, why did you do that? I said, sweetheart, somebody stepped on your head. She looked at me. She said, nobody stepped on my head. She said, I was talking to Jesus, and he was talking to me. He's real. He's real. At the church that night, we got home. The next morning, my wife called her mother in Crestview, Florida. These are all Catholics. Nothing against Catholics. They're all Catholics, though. She said, Mama, you ain't going to believe what happened to me. Last night, me and Don and his mother went to Brownsville. She said, Mama, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but then there was a silence for a moment. And then her mother spoke. She said, oh, Timmy, please, don't tell me you won those holy rollers. <laughs> the next Sunday night, I'm sorry, the next weekend, it was Friday or Saturday night. I don't remember exactly which one it was. My wife's mother, her father, her stepfather, her brother, her sister-in-law, her nephew, her sister. We all went to Brownsville. I remember when the altar call was given, I stood in the back. And I looked, I looked where they were, and I said, it looks like a bunch of holy rollers to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. My God, I'm trying to tell you something, folks. Don't be worried about what people think about you or say about you. My God, worry about what he thinks and what he says. They give him praise and glory. I have one more point to make, and I'm going to close. Praise and worship will bring healing. I told the pastor I have been preaching a long time, and I have. I wrote this sermon back in 2007. As I'm writing it, I'm thinking, God, I said, I've tried to touch everything I can touch in this message, Lord. I'm sitting on the end of my bed. And I said, Lord, what can I talk about healing and praising and worship that will cause healing to break out in church? I turn the TV on, and there's the 700 Club, and there's a man and woman. They're interviewing about their child. It was a normal pregnancy, but upon the delivery, this child had what looked like leeches attached to its skin. His skin had a real pale color to it. It wasn't even normal color. 
And the child would just scream and scream and scream. Never would it get calm. They began to run tests on it, began to do blood work and all these things. And for the next few days, the parents were there in the hospital with this baby. And finally, the doctor come into the hospital room one morning and told the mother and father, I've got some bad news. The child has tumors all outside its body. The child's body is consumed by cancer. It's running a high fever. As a matter of fact, this child shouldn't even be alive. And the doctor told him, said, there's nothing we can do. It's too young for radiation. It's too young for chemo. He said, just take his child home and love it. It may only have moments, if not hours, if not just a few days. As the story goes, they took the child home and they're trying to love it. And the father had to go back to work and he was on night shift. He called that night and the mother answered the phone. He could hear the baby in the background screaming. And he begins to cry. He said, sweetheart, I'm so sorry you got to sit there and watch our child die. She said, it's okay. Jesus is here. As they hang up, hang up the phone, out of the instinct, she goes, a motherly instinct, she goes and fixes a bottle, comes in the bedroom where the baby's at, picks the baby up out of the crib, the baby's screaming. He won't nurse. She sits in a rocker and she begins to rock that child. And she begins to sing an old hymn to the Lord. As she begins to sing, the more she sings, the calmer and calmer this child gets. And to the point, it's not crying anymore. She takes that bottle and she feeds that child for the first time in his little life. It's, it's actually able to fully nourish itself with milk. She burps it. She puts it in the back, back in the crib and it's sitting there sleeping. After a few hours, it goes through the regiment again. And every time she would praise and worship God. After a few days, this child began to get better and better and better. Matter of fact, they go to the doctor's office and they're sitting in the doctor's office. He walks in, he looks, and he sees this child. This child's not screaming, it's not crying, it's not, it's not doing anything out of the ordinary. It's just a bundle of joy. He walks up to the mother and father. He said, I don't know what's going on. He said, this child, by all accounts, should be dead. He said, i got to run some tests. He takes some blood work, and he said, come back in a few days. In the meanwhile, the tumors are shrinking. The skin color is coming back to normal state. They come into the doctor's office, and the doctor walks in. He goes over, and he picks this little baby up. He says, I do not understand it. He said, this child, by all accounts, should be dead. He said, all I can say that God must have something mighty intended for his life because all I can say, this child got a miracle. I'm going to tell you what I believe, church. I believe there was a mother there that says, I don't care what you think about me. I don't care what you say about me. All that matters is what he thinks and what he says, and I'm going to give him glory. And then because of that, God shook the foundation of his life, and by God, the captain was set free. Before Jesus was crucified in the holy temple, if there was sin in your life, if there was anything, sickness, whatever, you would take a lamb without blemish to the priest, to the high priest. He would take it into the holy of holies, and he was the only one who could go in. And he would kill it. And he would take that blood, and he began to put it on the mercy seat. But when Jesus hung on the cross, before he died, he said these words, it is finished. In the Greek and Hebrew translation, that means paid in full. Your sins were paid for. My sins were paid for. But not only that, when Jesus closed his eye and gave up the ghost, the body, Bible says that, my God, the whole earth shook. 
And in the temple where the, there was a curtain that separated man from God, it was torn from the top to the bottom. And all of a sudden, my God, we are no longer separated from the mercy seat. My God, all we have to do is come into the Holy of Holies and God begin to confess our sins to Jesus. Go in there and he'll give us forgiveness. My God, there's healing in the mercy seat. There's all these things. I want everybody to stand up right now. I want everybody to stand up. I want you to close your eyes. Nobody look around. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior and you would like to ask him to come into your heart as you just raise your hands right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, put your hands down. If you're here today and you used to have a wonderful relationship with God, but somewhere along the way you strayed away from the path and you want to come back to Jesus and you want to build that relationship back again, if that's you, raise your hands right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Put your hands down. If you're here today and there's sickness in your body, or maybe you have someone in your family sick and you want to stand in the gap for them, if you're here today, if that's you, raise your hands. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Dog call is fixing to be given. And you're not coming up here with me. You're coming up here with God because you have access into the Holy of Holies. Right when this music starts, when the music starts, I want you to come to the altar. And I want you to tell Jesus what you need. Tell Jesus what you need. Come on. Come to the altar. If you need something from Jesus, come to the altar. Hello, this is Pastor Rob again. I pray you enjoyed this podcast. What a blessing it has been to have you join us on this social media platform. If you would like more information about Bethel, please check out our website at BethelChurch.community. You can also follow us on our Facebook page at Bethel Church, Tepper's Plains. Have a blessed day and remember, love never fails.